Hello, welcome to the Team Voxel Bomb Show. This is episode 56 of the program. If you're just joining us for the first time, this is a podcast hosted by me, Team Voxel Good luck spelling that. Somebody had me try to spell my name on, the, on a previous podcast that I did yesterday. Like, can you spell your name for the people listening? I was like, ugh, do I have to? I don't like spelling it because it's 12 letters long. That's very long. I just prefer people to just take a stab at it. If you're only hearing me by name and you don't have it spelled out for you on whatever platform I happen to be appearing on, just spell it out. I mean, who cares? I'm not trying to get famous. I'm already pretty cool. Hey, oh, I already get laid whenever I want. All I gotta do is dress like this. Okay, let's start the show. So anyway, all right, okay. So I, I, I'm wearing a a, a tracksuit. Uh, designed by Stella McCartney, that is the daughter of Sir Paul McCartney. She's a very talented fashion designer, and I'm a big, I'm a fan of her child, uh, clothing division, whatever the hell she called, whatever it's called, I'm a fan of that. So, that's what I'm wearing, and it's pretty, pretty hard to not take notice of when you're kind of like, when I'm in public, I wore this in public last, uh, Tuesday. Okay, sorry for doing all the voices. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just kind of, I'm a voice actor. I'm a musician. And, uh, so I have this thing where I like to do voices. Isn't that weird? So anyway, uh, I was wearing it in public on, uh, Tuesday or Monday of this week. So it kind of goes with the episode. Like, I kind of like to wear the same clothes on the episode that I wore in public that week. Because I can only wear shit like this a couple times before people start to be like, Okay, we get it. You you dress weird. You, you, you Can you stop wearing the same shit? Actually, this this is not that bad. I got a lot of compliments when I wore it um, in public on Monday in Austin downtown. As soon as I got out of my, out of my car, I was like, I'm definitely going to have people say things to me ranging from nice to polite to, to rude. The whole spectrum. If you wear this in public, people are going to definitely say things to you even if you didn't ask them to. And, uh, yeah, you could hear the annoyance in my voice already. You could hear that I'm already kind of annoyed that I have to talk about this. But, hey, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be memorable because you have to show face sometimes in the entertainment business. And that's what I'm doing. I'm a fucking entertainer. What, you're not, you're not entertained by this? Well, they tune out. Hey, you, at least I got you to watch for this long. I'm not trying to make bank off. I'm not trying to get you to watch the entire thing. Hey! So anyway, I walked. I was just walking down uh, uh, Lavaca or whatever the hell, Brazer, Brazo. Yeah, that street. I was walking down there to get to Sixth Street, and as soon as I was walking past some cool people on the street, they were like, "Nice, nice." You know, it was a homeless person. That's that's. A, I took it as a compliment because they're you know, homeless people do compliment you all the time because they're trying to get money. 
but I still took, I could tell when it's a genuine compliment because I don't have, I'm, I'm not like blind to uh, genuine emotions and whatever. So it was, it was like, I just know, I know I look good. I don't need to be told I look good, but if somebody gives a, Hey man, you look good today. I was like, thank you. And then they were like, can I, can I get $2? I was like, no, no, sorry, but thank you for the compliment. Um, that's what I do when, uh, whenever I'm on, uh, whenever I'm on dirty sixth and they, uh, uh, somebody asked me for money. I don't do what most people do, which is to say, I don't have any money. Sorry. I got no, I don't have cash on me. Yeah, I don't do that because that's, I'm not going to lie. Of course I got cash on me. So I just say, no, sorry. I just, I just give them like a stern no. Cause that's more polite than lying, I think, because of course I got fucking money on me. I just don't want to give it to you. So I just go, no. (laughs) And they usually get the hint that I'm pretty much not going to be convinced to give them money and then if they really press me i just go sorry i'm a trump supporter i voted for trump i don't like homeless people sorry you know like i I, sorry i i just want you to not be here i don't want to encourage you because it's true no i do i don't mind like homeless people like i think some of them are cool because they have principles and that's the reason (laughs) that's the reason some of them are homeless is because they just don't want to go by society's rules and like have to play the rat race just to afford a, a roof over their head. They just decided one day, you know what? Fuck that. It's not that bad to not have a home. I don't want to be like suck some corporate cock and like have a boss telling me what to do in a rude voice. Fuck that. I'd rather have people on the street tell me in a rude voice. That they're not going to give me money, you know? And then it's, like, easier. Like I just walk away. Like, okay, okay, fine. I'll ask you in the next time. I'll ask you again in the next day. Whatever, man. It's not even like there's that many homeless people. It's all the same ones. Like, I know them. I was like, oh, you again. Yep, I'm still I'm still not interested in helping your cause of, of life and helping. <laughs> like, they say that homeless people are either mentally ill or or drug addicts and they just have they're down on their luck because of one of those two things well i got i got news for you being addicted to drugs is a mental illness so we could just round down we could just group those two things together and just say that pretty much all homeless people are mentally ill because it's it's some kind of mental illness whether it's substance use disorder bipolar schizophrenia who knows? Like even just like I don't know. Pretty much any, even ADHD people could become homeless because they just can't handle. They just don't have any ability to have an organized. I don't know because if you're not mentally ill, and you're not physically disabled, that's I guess another thing. Some people are just physically disabled, and that doesn't help. But unless you're, if you're not that those two things what is your excuse for not having a job or not having income at all well i don't know there's not many people on the street that are not mentally ill and ocd that's another one you could have ocd and be homeless if you didn't already know i'm an expert on this okay let's start the show 
Okay, so let's do a nice little update. I'm doing a podcast tour till I guess I'll is doing a podcast tour started in 2023. I already recorded three podcasts besides this one. This one does not count as the tour. It'll be listed on there just as like whatever every Friday this comes out. But I'm doing other people's podcasts. I'm outsourcing. I'm collabing. I'm learning how to collaborate with other artists and content creators in the Austin area. I will drive anywhere within a hundred miles of Austin to do a podcast. Cause why not? I get the gas. I don't have a Tesla, so I do have to pay a lot of. It costs a lot of money for gas. Cause I drive a Miata, and it only takes premium fuel, so it's not cheap, but it's worth it because I'm investing in myself. I'm promoting myself on this podcast tour, Timmy Gasto. So I already recorded three, and I guess only yeah, one of them came out. It's、uh, outside the shell with Nate Shell, and somebody put me on the spot. They said, "Oh, what other podcast did you do?" And I, I was like, "Oh fuck, I gotta remember it."、Um, it's gonna be hard to remember all the podcasts because there's gonna be quite a few of them. I already did three, and it's not even 2023 yet, so I'm off to a good start. And I'm willing to do anything that is a podcast. It has to at least be a podcast. It can't just be like somebody like talking. I don't know. I, I would do pretty much anything that people ask me to do, if it's if they call if they call the podcast. So I'm still researching which ones to reach out to, and I want to be professional in the way that I reach out to them. I don't want to just. Go up to people who I hear have a podcast and be like, "Oh, gonna do a podcast?" No, I'm gonna do research. I'm gonna actually watch a few episodes to see if I would be a good fit and all sh- and shit like that. So I'm, I'm, it's pretty cool. I'm gonna. So the next step is to design a tour poster, and it'll have in order of the date the podcasts were released, the name of the podcast, the platform it's on, and When it came out, so this is to help other people promote their podcast. In addition to promoting myself as a podcaster, comedian, so it's a collaboration and it's a good idea, and I'm happy that I'm actually following through on the idea. I did one with Michael Malamud. He is a comedian and he has a podcast, and he had me on.、Uh, it'll come out. In a couple weeks, I don't know, and that was a very good one. And then I did one just yesterday、um, called the Originals Podcast with Kayla Bogdan, and that was a good conversation. You know, I'm I'm I like to adapt to my surroundings. Like if the podcast is about a specific topic, fine, I will do my research to be to try to add value to their podcast. I'm not just trying to leech off of their platform. I'm trying to add value and make it. A good episode. I am good at podcasting. I do have a good radio voice. Thank you very much. I already know that, so I don't really. You don't have to tell me. If you want to give me a compliment, make it something that I already don't already know I'm good at. Like I don't know that I have a nice dick. Or, I already knew that. Never mind. Tell me I have a nice.、Uh, I don't know. I already kind of know what I'm good at, so I don't really need much、uh, positive. I don't know. I, I, every comedian does need praise. 
every you know occasionally like we just need that confirmation that we're doing something right and i guess i'm okay i do need praise on some of the projects that i've been putting out which have been getting zero feedback only negative feed i've <laughs> i've been putting out content on timmy gusto's instagram and youtube that is getting absolutely no positive attention but i still know that it's funny at least in some way it's just that it's so hard to like on its own it doesn't really stand up as good quality content because it's so out there and it need it has no context it's just a, a white dude being very like edgy into a camera and it's not stand up it's just like an art piece that i did in this room while i was on magical mushrooms i was just doing that in like karaoke and changing the lyrics on songs and like it is funny parts of it are i would say pretty funny i know i i just know it's it's funny it, it's so but it's not do it it's not getting much positive attention yet um because it's so out there so whatever that's just part of being an artist you just got to stick to your guns keep going i'm i'm learning uh i'm throwing shit at the wall still timmy gusto is still a very new comedian He's only been out there for a few months. If you know, so so I can't be too upset if I only have a few followers, you know. So we just got to keep going. Eventually, I'll be big and famous. I don't want to use the word f famous because Dolly Parton is famous, Marilyn Monroe is famous. There's not very many famous comedians right now. Sebastian is famous, Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan, Patton Oswalt. There's a few that are legit famous uh but even if you're but you're that you know like the word famous you know you can't just throw that word around because most people if you're not a household name you're not famous even if you're like shane gillis or mark normand to me they're famous to me they're like pretty fucking famous but they're still not quite that famous to like everybody who's not in the comedy world so that's why it's like it's not i don't know man they're well known they're the highest respected comedians working today ari shafir but that doesn't mean everyone's heard of them so anyway let's get this show going on the next topic okay baby sleep apnea i still have it it sucks i i might have to get my tonsils removed at some point in my life i'm not too excited to do that that's something i'm not looking to do right away because i'm a singer and it'll open up my throat to sound less nasally i'll actually be able to talk and vocalize from my throat and chest a lot easier i don't really do that because i have a very narrow pathway in my air in my windpipe because of the sleep at because of my tonsils i have very large tonsils so that's why i can't do my nose or not and I sing through my nose like la 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 la. I do know how to sing. I wouldn't say I'm like a good singer, but I'm not a bad singer. I'm kind of in the middle of like, I'm in the upper middle class range of being a vocalist. I could definitely do it, um, but I don't know. It's a sensitive subject. Like when somebody asks, when somebody finds out that I sing, I don't know, man. I got to be humble about it. I got to be like, yeah, I could sing. I can't just be like, yeah, I know how to fucking sing, motherfucker. La, 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 la. And then I do that. And then they go, whoa. That's not good. Sing. That's not good. Shut the fuck up. So anyway, sleep apnea. 
it sucks. Uh, so I started on, I got the CPAP machine. It was like $1,200. It's a good one. It's the latest technology. It's fucking pretty nice. But, and I got this mask that's very invasive. It's not comfortable to wear. There's two straps that like one goes around your, your head and then one goes around the lower part of your face. And it, it's like a Darth Vader mask. And so it covers um, the bottom of my nose and my entire mouth. And it takes a while to get used to. I, 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 I figured out how to get it on there to be sealed so that the machine works and it's quiet. And you just hear yourself breathe. So that's something I'm not used to doing, like hearing myself breathe loudly. And sometimes there's like air that you hear, like, and it's not super comfortable. Um, so I've not been able to wear it all through the night. It's very difficult to get to sleep with this thing on because I'm a side sleeper. I don't really fall asleep until I'm on my side. And this thing, it doesn't work because it keeps, it just, it's very hard to get to sleep with the mask on but when I take melatonin I could fall asleep so then it works so I, I did it a few times with melatonin and I was able to get somewhat close to a full night's sleep I was still waking up I still had to like you know wake up to take a drink of water and then go back to bed a million times so but the mask the CPAP it it worked it it I woke up without a headache I was still fatigued but that was a different kind of fatigue I think it was more from the melatonin because melatonin makes you really groggy for a long time but it works it gets me it gets me to sleep but what I noticed with the CPAP when I actually use it for the whole night I wake up feeling like it's a different day than when I went to bed see this is a huge fucking thing if you don't get full, like if you don't go through the full cycle of sleep, you're not going to feel like it's a different day when you wake up. You're just going to be like, okay, that was a weird nap. That was a very long nap. And you have a headache. I still kind of have a headache. I woke up, I don't know, a few hours ago. But yeah, I'm still waking up and dealing with the fatigue of not using the CPAP because I I couldn't use it last night. It just wasn't happening. So that sucks. So I bought a new mask. I got a I ordered one as soon as possible. I was like I cuz I'm very pro treating this thing. I like it's very weird to get used to using this machine every night. But like it's kind of weird to have to use that type of thing. So but I'm 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 very like pro i want to fucking treat the disease it's a fucking it's terrible to not treat this thing so i got a new mask that's called it's supposedly the most non-invasive mask that they sell it's just one strap that goes around your face and it's not thick tubing it's very thin low profile and it just goes into your nose so you could still breathe in through your mouth and that's not good but I heard that just having uh, air pushed into your nose, whether you're breathing in or through your nose or not, it still helps. So, And the machine will adjust uh, automatically, I think. 
it's on a very low pressure right now because I have mild sleep apnea, but the symptoms are not mild. The symptoms are debilitating and I have a headache and I wake up feeling like it's the same day all the time and that's not good. And when I did get that full night's sleep the few times um, with melatonin, it was such a difference. Like I woke up, it's like this is, it, it, my emotions were affected by it positively. I felt like a kid again. I had these these emotions that I didn't have for many years. So that's very interesting that I never really heard about that. That's a very subtle thing that you don't hear about with sleep apnea. So anyway, get it checked out. If you wake up with a headache, if you wake up with fatigue that lasts all day and you have terrible sleep quality in general, get it checked out. It only costs... A couple hundred dollars to get it diagnosed, which I know that's still a lot of money, but not when it comes to your health. It's all relative, I know. Some people, that's that's nothing, but for other people, that is a lot of money when you have rent to pay and everything like that. I'm fortunate where I was able to get this diagnosed using my own resources. I did not go to a doctor for this to happen. Uh, the legacy mega, you know, I had to pay out the pocket for the CPAP device as well, $1,200. So not everybody, I can try to get it covered by insurance. Maybe if I ask my doctor, can like, can you, is it possible to get it retroactively paid for by insurance? But I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that he'll be like, no, you got to go through our shitty medical system to do that so anyway that's just how it works these days that's just how it is the medical system is uh, not the legacy medical system is not very good you have to do your own research to get diagnosed with things or to just find out if you have something never mind the diagnosis the diagnosis that part um there are new ways to get diagnosed with something which brings me to the next thing so adhd update so you could also get it uh diagnosed with ADHD online. You just Google it, ADHD, and there'll be ads that come up that say, okay, take our test, take our consultation, and then we'll get you diagnosed and prescribed um, with whatever you might need, whether that's uh, Adderall, Vyvanse, uh, methamphetamine, or one of the non-stimulants like Stratera for ADHD. So you don't have to go to some sketchy uh, uh, psychiatrist who's going to be like not willing to... I don't know. I'm sure most psychiatrists are willing to diagnose people with ADHD, but there's a lot of skepticism on... If you go to like your like my primary care visit, he was like, like let's make sure that we're treating the right thing. Um, so you really have to know what you're talking about because people, doctors aren't just going to be willing to prescribe uh, methamphetamine or amphetamine to people if they don't actually need it because it's the most one of the most abused drugs in the world. People love uh, taking or abusing Adderall, and I, I come across people uh, every day who are like, "Oh, you got you have ADHD? Oh, do you, can I get some of your can I get some of your medication to abuse?" It's like, um kindly no kindly fuck off it's medicine i don't abuse it i've never taken enough to even feel that i'm on it 
I take enough to where it, it neutralizes the symptoms, but I don't feel like a crackhead when I'm on it. I just feel relaxed, at ease, you know, like I feel just normal. I feel like how a person is supposed to feel. And when you're on Adderall and you have ADHD and you're not abusing it, it's crazy how many situations in life become easier and effortless that before you had to like use a lot more effort to get past. And social situations are probably the most glaring examples. Driving is the most probably the number one most glaring example of how you notice a difference when you're treated for ADHD because you could just stay in a straight line as opposed to having to like micromanage your steering. This is f a foreign concept to people without ADHD. They go, what? You have to exert? A, it's, it's hard to stay in your lane and like, like, yes, you get sensory overload. Your brain is on overdrive just by doing a simple thing like driving in a straight line. Because we have a natural deficiency for dopamine, which is one of the chemicals, and norepinephrine, those chemicals are involved in muscle coordination, in locomotion. So it makes sense. It doesn't make you more extreme. It just makes you more capable of moving your body and voice, whatever, brain, thoughts, anything. It gives you more precision in your movements, in your emotions, in the way that you talk to people and modulate your physical movement. If you take too much, then you're gonna you're gonna look like a, a crackhead or a meth head. You're gonna be talking too much. You're gonna be like you know scraping your teeth together. So it's pretty easy to know if you're taking too much. And I don't drink coffee when I'm on Adderall because then it really makes me feel overstimulated and it's not product it's not great it's euphoric but that's not what I'm that's not why I'm taking the, the drug I'm taking the drug to give me the tools I need to be at my to be a person I'm actually able to do comedy and do other things in the oeuvre of being a comedian like produce content regularly at my highest level without being ashamed of myself and i'm actually it's great so anyway get that checked out too hey adhd very underdiagnosed very undertreated people get it diagnosed as a kid and then they stop treating it as an adult because they don't realize that it's still affecting them well if you have problems in your life it might be related to the adhd because adhd is a mental psychiatric condition or disorder it is a mental illness so it should be treated i mean so you'll notice a difference okay that's enough on that bullshit self-improvement update that's what this podcast is mostly about i started this podcast after getting into a car accident that i was like okay it's time to do something about that. That was also related to ADHD. That wouldn't have happened if I was treated for ADHD, but too late now, it happened. So that's what caused me to quit drinking, and that was the first big step in my self-improvement journey.
I've been sober from alcohol for one year and nobody told me anything like congratulations until yesterday. And I was like, oh shit, yeah, thank you for saying, like, I, I didn't realize that that's actually an accomplishment, <laughs> like, to go for a whole year without consuming, you know, doing one of your vices. So, yeah, I have no plans on going back to alcohol. It was, it's not useful and I'm able to have fun without it. I'm able to socialize without it way better than people who are drunk. I don't need it for that. I, I used to. I used to need to be drunk to socialize because I was untreated for ADHD. See, that's a very, that's probably the most repetitive thing I say on this podcast. The most repeated phrase is, I was untreated for ADHD and that's why this bad thing happened. So since I'm working on myself, since I'm uncovering what's wrong with me and actually making effort to improve and solve those problems, sleep apnea, ADHD, what else? I don't know. That's the, I'm sure there's a lot more. Just being a better comedian, being a better person, being a professional, not talking shit. Since I'm doing all those things, why not try to help other people do those things? And that's tough. That is harder than doing it yourself because I already decided that I'm willing to improve, but that doesn't mean other people are. So if I see other people that are clearly still sick and have a personality disorder that I could tell is there, that doesn't mean they're open and ready and willing to work on it themselves. But if they are, I would help them. I would be like, okay, well, first of all, you got to figure out what it is that you have. You have something, motherfucker. <laughs> See, that's why it's very hard to approach people. You can't just go up to people that you don't know that well and be like, hey, buddy, I've known you for a few years. You have a personality disorder. That's not me judging you. That's just me saying something because I, I like you, but I can't be friends with you because you're insufferable, because you have a personality disorder. And the good news is, it's probably treatable. So are you willing to go down that journey and actually improve? If so, call me up. We could talk every week or something because I'm a nice guy and I, I want to be your friend. I just can't right now because you're still a little bit sick. And I'm, I'm using the word sick to highlight that it's a real thing. It's not just like, a label. It's not just a, a bullshit social thing. It's a real disorder that you have. And I don't know, man. We're learning, the world is learning a lot about that. Like bipolar is a big one, borderline personality disorder, narcissist personality disorder. Those are big ones that I come across a lot in comedy. Most comedians, I would wager, are mentally ill in some way. I'm mentally ill. I'm treating it though. So I'm doing better in life and I'm not as mean to people. I don't offend people as often because if I do say something that goes over the line a little bit, I have ways of being like, I'm just kidding. I'm just fucking around. I could get out of it before it hurts their feelings and makes them not like me. And if somebody does something that affects my well-being, my mental well-being, 
instead of resenting them and not telling them or calling them out on it, something I've started doing is going up to them or if I can't go up to them, sending a message to them and saying, hey, you did something that I don't find very nice. You did something that I find rude and it affected me and I don't appreciate it. And that is all. The ball is now in your court. And that's it. You try to do it politely because maybe they didn't mean to do it. Maybe they did. You'll find out. So that's what I've been doing. And if they respond in the right way, like an adult, then it's water under the bridge. It's completely resolved. It makes me respect them. And there's no hard feelings after that. And I don't have to work, like resent them. I could be their friend. If they don't respond like an adult, if they tell me it's my fault for being too sensitive or something, and they become defensive, then I can't be friends with them. And I won't resent them because there's nothing to resent. I already figured out that they're just not a good person in that context. So I'll just be like, okay, that's fine. I just won't talk to you. I just won't go up to you. And I just, I won't try to be your friend until you resolve your issues. Maybe I'm wrong to be offended by something, but there's a way to talk about things um, to take that. I don't know. Because, yeah, I guess sometimes maybe I could be too sensitive. I don't know. I don't think so. I think I'm pretty good at telling if I'm being too sensitive or not. And sometimes it is just a misunderstanding. That's fine. But you still, you got you to gotta go up to that person as soon as it happens to resolve the issue. Otherwise, it's going to fester and I'm going to not like them. And I'm not a hateful person. I don't like not liking people. It's fine if people don't like me, but like I don't like the feeling of like seeing somebody and being like, oh, that guy. Well, can't talk to them because I know they're probably going to do something that's, you know, I can't talk to them. That sucks because I like to talk to people. I don't like to shut myself out of people's, you know, circle or whatever you want to call it. So anyway, that was a fun, that was boring. Let's Let's talk about what I've been doing besides this podcast. So... This is a weekly podcast. What do, what do I do besides this right now? Well, I'm a full-time podcaster, comedian, and entertainer. So I do many different things. I have many projects on the in the back burner that are I already kind of produced, but I didn't finish post-production. I did the I recorded it, but now I got to edit it. And there's a few examples of those types of projects. I have a song that I'm working on. That 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 is the hardest fucking thing in the world. To actually produce a song. You could have all the technical skills to produce something, but that doesn't mean you have the patience and the motivation to actually follow through on it because you could be talented as fuck and be a great composer and producer of music, but it takes a lot of work. And by work, I don't just mean like moving around and clicking on stuff 
That's fine. I like doing that. I like clicking on stuff and typing shit and like program. It's the creative decisions that you're making that make it difficult to produce a completely original song or any song, even if it's not completely, even if just like a remix or a cover song to do that from start to finish involves literally hundreds, if not thousands of creative decisions. So that's why it's easy to procrastinate. I really want to finish these songs and make the music video to go along with it because I already bought, I already invested money into this. I bought like a fucking flute. I literally bought a flute for one music video that I want to shoot and I haven't done it yet so it's just on the back burner because I got to finish recording the song first and I'm getting there. I'm getting there in steps but like I said, there's hundreds of creative decisions that it needs to be made for this to happen. So another example is a a documentary type thing. <laughs> Not really, but like a little comedy type video that is could be up to like 10 minutes long, maybe even longer. It's, it's about 20 to 30 minutes of footage in total, but I don't know if I'm going to release the entire thing i'm probably going to reduce get rid of the boring parts but i did it in one shape in one shot one take of me it's called a day in the life of a comedian and i filmed it using my new 360 action cam it's me driving to a comedy club in downtown austin one of the premier comedy clubs in the whole city so i started with me in my garage and then all the way to the parking garage, and then me getting out of the car and walking to the club. That's pretty much where it would end is when I get to the club. And there's a lot of funny little inf uh, moments in that, and it's pretty crazy. The footage itself is pretty fucking cool because I put the camera outside the car. So I had this selfie stick that was pretty long, and the camera just hanging out the fucking window of the car, picking up me and everything else. 360. So I had to fucking edit this clip or these video, these shots, which took probably about three hours just to tell the editing software where I wanted the camera to be pointed because it pans and tilts around. So you can't just upload, you can't just start editing. You have to tell the software, okay, I want it to point at me and then I want it to move a little bit to look at this fire truck for a little bit and then go back. So I had to make hundreds of creative decisions just to get the first step done of post-production. Next is the actual editing the 2D version. Now that I did the, the 360, I got it down to a flat 1080p video. It was recorded in 4K at 60 FPS. So now it's at 1080p 60 FPS. So now I'm able to actually do the real editing and start getting closer to the final product, which will be a mockumentary called A Day in the Life of, the, of a Comedian. 
and it's me driving to kill Tony. And it's not only me driving, I'm actually also, I'm talking a lot. I was in character and it's pretty fucking cringe. Parts of it are pretty like cringy because I was really hamming it up. I was like, I'm going to be famous. That's part of it though. That's like why it's funny too. It's like, but as I was watching it last night, I was like, holy crap, that is like embarrassing. But then I realized that, yeah, it's, it's funny. I just have to edit it in a way that's not redundant. Only put in the parts that are funny. And the audio is not very good. So that's the part where I fucked up. I forgot to bring my portable audio recorder in the car. That would have made for a much higher quality end product. So the audio is not very good because it's just on the, the camera itself. So it picks up a lot of wind noise. So it's not great. But I was planning on just adding music over it anyway. So it's not a big deal. I'll try to make it work and be funny and make reels of it. It's ridiculous though because I was dressed crazily. I was wearing you know my Versace tracksuit or whatever with my uh, sweat, whatever. I was wearing that, that flashy iridescent uh, hoodie. So I looked like a clown and I was talking the whole time very loudly to narrate I was like, well, here I am. I'm on my way to be a comedian. I'm going to be famous. I'm a fucking big sh- I'm fucking awesome. And I kept doing that the whole way to the club. Even as I was walking past other comedians, I was like, I'm fucking better than these people. And, you know, I picked up a lot of people, obviously, because it picks up everything. So I had to move the camera around to not pick up other people's faces, you know, I was trying to be respectful because this is about me. It's not about other people. But a few people did interact with me and yell at me. Like literally some people just started yelling as I was walking by them. I get, you know, they're not used to being filmed, I guess, which you're allowed to, you're allowed to film people in public. If you're in public, you can't be surprised if somebody films you. So it's not like I have to blur their faces or anything, but I'm probably going to blur some things like my address, like my some things in my neighborhood just for privacy's sake and shit like that. But whatever, I'm not expecting to get famous from it. I'm not really expecting anybody to really watch it except for maybe some of the reels that I hope will come out good because I'm not famous yet. I, I don't really have a following. Nobody gives a fuck about a documentary of me driving to a comedy club, but it'll age with it'll age really well. Once I do become successful, it'll age like, oh, that's cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm pretty happy with the idea. It's just kind of ridiculous. So another thing that I did with the 360 camera that actually is probably a lot better than the, the thing I just said is, uh, I filmed myself doing stand up comedy with it. I don't ever film my sets, which is pretty dumb. I mean, if you want to be a comedian, you should probably film your sets, at least the ones that are in front of a real audience, because you never know if something is worthy of going viral or even just getting a couple thousand views or whatever. Like, stand-up is watchable, so you got to film your sets. Not every single open mic, but just the ones that actually get a crowd and you're going to do well at. So I filmed myself at a at the heckle mic at Creek in the Cave. 
with the 360 camera and with high quality audio. I was prepared. I, I planned it out. I brought my portable audio recorder. I put it right in the sound booth where nobody was fucking with it and it picked up the sound very well, you know? So then I got the camera ready and as soon as they called my name, I fucking pulled out that selfie stick and I was dressed weird, of course, because I was Timmy Gusto and I had a very good set. Um, it's a heckle mic. So what that means is the format is they give the comic a minute without heckling and then as soon as it's a minute they ring a bell and the audience can just start interrupting and yell out whatever they want. So it's a great fucking mic. It's my favorite open mic in the whole city. I look forward to it every week. I'm probably not going to do it this week just because I did it last week and I, it was a productive set. I got a clip out of it. So finally... Timmy Gusto has a clip for stand-up, which I could use to try to get actual gigs. And I'm, is that for sure? Maybe not, because it's, it's, a, it's a minute of stand-up, but it's high-quality stand-up. And, like, I actually did well, so it's good. But also, the way I filmed it is what is going to really make it good, because I could move the camera around to pick up me, from far away or as close as I want, and I could swivel it around to pick up the audience as they were making fun of me. So this is this is cool. So I filmed it in 5.7K, so even more than 4K, but I have to edit it still. I have not even edited the uh, the angles on it yet, so it'll be converted to 1080p, but it'll, it'll be... 30 FPS and that I I'm that's going to take a long time to edit even though it's only five minutes long because there's so many creative decisions involved in just where to point the camera and how far away and you could set keyframes so that it slowly animates towards whatever the subject is so that takes that's quite a bit of manipulation just for the first phase of editing. Then, that's pretty much it. I don't think I'm going to have to make many cuts. I just have to set the angles, you know, and I will also produce reels. This is probably the highest quality product that I'm working on that will actually get me um, views because you can't just be a stand-up and not put out clips of your stand. You gotta at least put out if you're a new stand-up. If you are not already getting work, you need an up-to-date clip. And if it's just a minute, that's fine. A minute of high-quality stand-up is actually just enough for people to be like, "Okay, I'll give you a shot on my show, even if it's just a guest spot." I would love to just do a guest spot. I'm not looking for a full 10-minute spot quite yet. I know my limitations. I know when I'm ready for something. And then that brings me back. That reminds me that I also got booked for a a show, a podcast, which is also a live show. It's called The High Tonight Show. It's hosted by Victor Martinez Jr. He's a great comic and a great person. He's been doing it 
for 10 years, just as long as me. So I look at him. He's a peer. So anyway, so I'm very happy to be officially booked on it. I mean, he's seen me a lot. He knows that I am a pretty crazy person. Like, he's seen me do, like, really absurdly over-the-top offensive shit that doesn't work, yet he still is giving me this opportunity. So I'm very grateful for that, and it's right after Christmas. It's on the 28th of December, so I'm going to be promoting it as part of the podcast tour, of course, and I have a lot of time to prepare for it, so it'll be great. Okay, Twitter. So I got my Twitter uh, locked. Timmy Gusto's Twitter is locked. He is unable to tweet. And I looked into it. I found out that it's because of suspicious activity. So that's pretty gay. So Timmy Gusto, it's because, I don't know, if I, it's because I have multiple accounts, I guess. Like I, I switch back and forth between mine, Tim, Tim Weichselbaum's account, and Timmy Gusto's account. Both of them have no followers. So it's not like I got banned for saying something too edgy. It's just because I kept going back and forth between the accounts and talking between them you, like a sock puppet account. But that's what I'm doing as a joke. I pretend to be two different people. Like Tim Weichselbaum is the Jew behind the scenes pulling the strings. He's the manager of Timmy Gusto. Timmy Gusto is just the Italian side of me who just is the performer. He's not a businessman. He's just the talent. So that's a thought-out thing that I'm doing, and it's funny. But it got me soft-banned on Twitter. And also, another thing that happened, this podcast is not showing up on my Spotify library, which is also pretty gay. Uh, even though I follow the podcast, it's not showing up in my library. So that's like a soft... Um, ban as well it's like a they are delisting me it shows up in search but that's just a, th a thing that happened that i'm not happy about but whatever gotta keep trucking along until somebody until i'm big enough where they can no longer censor me if you're a good artist you're probably going to be censored that's just how it goes so anyway we're not going to go on a whole diatribe about that but i do want to end the episode by covering a few things about creativity and my philosophy on being a artist so is stand-up an art or a craft or both it's both it, it's both some people are very like adamant against it being called an art and that's fine they just go are you kidding me you think i'm an artist because i do dick jokes it's like okay i i hear what you're saying you're saying that since it's so crude all the time that it doesn't count as art. Okay, that's fine, but it is. It takes creativity to think of those dick jokes, even if they're stupid. The reason they get a laugh is because you're doing something that not everybody can do. Is it a craft? Yes, it's also a craft because it takes skill to do it well. You could be talented but not have the skills to bring those talents to the outside world. You could be untalented, but still pretty good at stand-up because you did the work 
to acquire the skills that it takes to come up with jokes and to perform those jokes effectively. Does it mean that they're good jokes? Probably not if you're untalented. They might be somebody else's jokes. You might have just bought them from somebody else. That still means you're a legitimate stand-up comic, but you're probably not a very talented one. You're just good at the skill. You're good at taking other people's jokes, like Carlos Mencia. He's a very skilled stand-up comedian. He's not very talented when it comes to creating the jokes. So if you're creating jokes and you're very good at that, yeah, you're talented. But you might not have the skills to say those jokes on stage, so you'll just sell them to somebody else. So anytime you do something creative, which stand-up hopefully is if you're not doing anything creative in a set and you're just repeating jokes that you've done before at in the exact same way yeah that's not creative that's not art you're you're showing people something that is art but you're not doing art you're just doing the job for stand up to be an art it has to be creative and that means you're doing something new at least once in the set Otherwise, it wouldn't be creative because that's what creative means. It means you're doing something. You, you made something. You made a choice that you haven't made before. So that's how I approach stand-up. Any set I do, I look at it as what am I going to do differently this time? How am I going to make it creative. I'm not just going to go up there and read jokes. Maybe I will if it's just an open mic and I'm just trying out jokes. That's fine. That's not really artistic, but it's still part of the artistic process to just try out jokes. And then the next, how to do them in a way that is new each time I do them, even if it's the same joke. So anyway, I don't know. That's it. Anytime you do something creative, there has to be something new about it. That's what creative means. And then there's this other thing about like, how will I top myself? Like if you have a very good set or if you put out something that you're very proud of that other people also like that gives you a, a lot of like boost in confidence, that only lasts so long. You got to keep putting stuff out to feel redeemed, to feel fulfilled as an artist. And that could bring you down, though, sometimes. Like the things I've been talking about, like the the heckle set, that is something I'm very proud of. So how am I going to top that? Well, I don't know. I know that I will. I know that I will because I'm always going to be funny and I'm always going to be creative. So I know that I'm always going to keep outdoing myself. It's just natural as part of the growth process of being an artist that I will probably still top myself up until a certain point and then you reach the apex of your career in terms of creativity and then I guess it's all downhill from there if you get locked into a specific format or a specific sound or trend then yes you will stagnate as an artist and you will go downhill as an artist for example the band MGMT was huge 10 to 12 years ago. 
Now they're not. They put out an album recently. I don't even think I got a million plays because they're no longer at their creative peak. They're downhill because they're trying to maintain something that was great 12 years ago. But that's not what art is about. Art is about always reinventing yourself. So if you're listening, MGMT, drop it. You could keep calling yourself MGMT, but stop trying to recapture the magic of yesteryear. You have to take risks to be an artist. You have to be willing to do something that sucks to find a gem. And that's what I'm doing with all these weird ideas. Like some of them suck. Some of them are so bad that they get like a lot of dislikes on YouTube, but whatever. I had to do it to get it out of the way so I could do other stuff. So don't be too hung up on yourself if you are like trying to like um, recapture the magic of something. You will if you rely on your natural artistic gifts just follow those don't follow what the world tells you to do you have to be willing to lose your fan base if you want to stay relevant because that fan base they just want you to do one thing that they like that doesn't mean you like it and that's the type of content creator that i am i'm doing something that i like doesn't mean other people are going to like this anyway and you have to be confident on stage. One more thing about stand-up. There is absolutely no way you, were, you will have a good set if you're not confident. You have to figure out some way to convince yourself that you are the best at what you're about to do. Otherwise, you're going to fucking suck. You're going to be like, oh, I, I'm, not being, I'm not good enough to be on this stage. No. It doesn't matter what other people did up there. You are the best at what you do. So that's all you have to remember is that whatever. Okay, that guy did very well. Whatever. I'm next. I have to follow them. Okay, that's fine because I'm the best at what I do. So if you go up there showing the crowd immediately before you even get to the microphone that everything is cool, and that you are a fucking performer and you're about to give the audience what they paid for, you will do well. You also have to have good jokes. I'm not saying it's that simple of that you only have to be confident, but that's pretty much 90% of the battle of doing well at stand-up comedy. There's no way the audience is going to laugh if they see that you're scared. It's not that they don't want to. It's just that they, they won't because they'll be like, oh, he's not even confident. He doesn't even think he deserves to be up there. Well, what the fuck am I paying money for? So you have to be overconfident. You have, not just You have to be like, I'm the fucking shit. And then you will do well. Unless, the only exception is, if it's part of your act to not look confident, then that's the exception. Then you could play into that. But, Oh, hey, I'm depressed. I don't belong here. Sorry. Like, if that's part of your act and it's funny to do that, then yes, that's fine. But be confident in that. Be confident in whatever you know is your persona. This is just something that I realized. It's like, wow, that's really all 
Like I could really decide if I want to do well or not based on the fact if I believe in myself and if I actually believe I deserve to be on that stage, the set will be great. If I just know that I am a real performer and I'm not just some asshole who got on stage out of asking for a favor or some shit like that, and then it, that makes it easier to ask for favors if you actually know that you're funny and are not just going to waste the stage time, then you can go up to bookers and be like, hey, here's a, if you don't know me, I'm a, I'm a comedian. Here's a clip. Um, I would love to do your sh- I would, even just a guest spot. And then you won't feel as bad about that. You won't have any shame in shopping yourself around and doing what a professional is supposed to do because you will be a professional. So anyway, uh, life is hell. So be hell back to it. Give life the same hell that it gives you every day. This has been episode 56 of the Tim Vaxabam Show. I will see y'all next. We'll have a good one, y'all.